0: So our message today is from the book of 2nd Chronicles, the book of 2nd Chronicles, and I want us to read from chapter number 20. So 2nd Chronicles chapter 20. Switch out my glasses here. We'll be ready to go. And start with verse one. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people, I said chapter 21, I mean chapter 20. So 2 Chronicles 20, verse one. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name as is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit." O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's and may the Lord Bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. Now we're gonna read further in this scripture, but uh, as we read through this today, I want you to all understand that uh, the people of, of Judah had a problem. They were being invaded and there was an alliance of three nations against them. They were not ready for this battle. And Jehoshaphat was truly upset about it to the point to where he made a very wise decision. He decided to go to the Lord. And also he said, I want all the people to go to the Lord. Now we have faced wars in the past that were so terrible that presidents of the United States would get up and ask for all people to pray for our country. And we would join as a country to pray. I don't think we have that unity today. I don't think we have such a situation today. I don't think we're putting the Lord first as a country. I know that for a fact, Uh, but that's not what this sermon's about. This sermon is about the people of Judah and what they did when they had their problem. And Jehoshaphat did the right thing. He got everybody to fast, which meant, meant they had to turn off everything. They had to to give their concentration and their focus on the God of heaven instead of their food, their meals, and their fellowship. They had to spend time alone with God in prayer. And in the process of doing this, they sought God's wisdom because they frankly said to God, we don't know what to do. And I guarantee you folks, you all are, uh, and all of us have had those feelings before when we literally do not know what to do. If you've ever taken a test where you didn't know the answer, you can honestly say, I did not know what to do. I heard uh, there is a story of, of a schoolmaster who uh, was new, but he had the, the, the biggest smart aleck for a student uh, in the entire county, and it was in his classroom. So he decided to teach the smart aleck a little lesson by giving him a test. And he read a bunch of questions. And these are the questions and the smart aleck's answers. Suppose you put a red stone and throw it into blue water, what will become of it? And of course, the boy wrote, it'll be wet. In which battle did Admiral Nelson die? His last. Where was the Declaration of Independence signed? The smart Alex said, at the bottom of the page. This, the question that the teacher gave him, what is the main reason for divorce? The kid said marriage. <laughs> what, what is the main reason for failure? Exams. <coughs> What can you never eat for breakfast? The boy said, lunch and dinner. How can you go, how can a man go eight days without sleeping? No problem, you just sleep at night. How can you lift an elephant with one hand? There are no one-handed elephants. If you have three apples and four oranges in one hand, four apples and three oranges in the other, what do you have? Big hands. And finally, how can you drop a raw egg on concrete floor without cracking it? He said, uh, you, you don't crack it, that, that floor is very hard. It's not gonna crack. You know, we all, could hope that we have a smart alecky answer to all of life's problems, but they are not easily answered that way because in the real world, our problems are not trivial, but they're real and they are life and death. And It was a really big problem that the people of Israel or Judah had in this time. And you know, we've heard about Jehoshaphat because somebody came up with the phrase jumping Jehoshaphats. I don't know why that phrase came into being. But I do know that there was a king named Jehoshaphat and in this case, he did the right thing. So the Lord answered their prayer and gave them a message. And told them, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. And that's our theme today is that if we are want to be God's people, the number one thing we want to do is get right with God. Because if we are with God and sheltered by God, protected by God and under his power, then whatever battles we're facing are not our battles, but are the Lord's. Because I guarantee you, he cares for us. Now, how many of you uh, have cared for little children? Wait, raise your hand. Have you ever cared for little children? Have you ever had to babysit little children or take care of your own? Of course. And 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 if you have a four-year-old or a three-year-old, and you're grabbing the hand of that child. Do you just allow that child to just go wherever it wants to go? Do you just? take it over and say, why don't you go across the street over here to the post office and, and, and and, and open up the mailbox for me? Have you ever sent a three or four year old across Highway 18? No. Why? Because you've got enough sense to know that you wouldn't trust that child crossing that road without your protection. Well, I have to tell you right now that you love those children and we should, but God loves you and me more. And if we are in his hands, he is not going to put us out there into danger needlessly without his protection. He wants us to adopt, be adopted by him. And if we are his adopted children, then we need to accept his protection from the dangers of this world. And that protection is absolute protection. I really believe that. I believe that God has an absolute protection on us. It's like when we were talking in, in one of our Wednesday night Bible studies, or maybe it was one of our Sunday night Bible studies, but it was about how we need to pray for things, but we ought to ask for big things, and then but ask God to give us that or something better. And uh, one of you, I think Walter or somebody said, and something that we can handle. And I think those are wise prayers because... God's not poor. God is able to do everything. He is not limited by money. He is not limited by time. He is not limited by what people think of him. But how many of us live our lives because we struggle, because we have financial constraints, we have limitations with our our ability to do things that are acceptable maybe to other people. Maybe we're always worried about what others think about us and we're not thinking about God. And I say to you that when we pray to God, ask for that which is big, ask for that which is great because he will either give you that or he'll give you something better that you need and that's better for you. And if you will pray that God give me that or give me something better, give me something that's going to help me more, then you're going to get your prayer answered every single time. I, I get tired of people who who say, oh, God doesn't answer my prayers. Well, if he doesn't answer prayers, then why are we praying? Why did he command for us to pray? And if, if the people of God were here in this situation and and he didn't answer their prayers, we wouldn't be reading about this story today. In fact, God had said when they set up the temple that when you sin, when you find yourself in a bad situation with pestilence and with, or sword or danger, whatever it may be, you need to go to me and turn to me and I will hear from heaven and I will help you. He anticipated that we we would get ourselves into these messes. Do you think that the destruction of the American culture, the destruction of our society, the destruction of moral right and wrong, do you think that happened overnight? No, it didn't happen overnight, where sin is flaunted and paraded in front of us on a daily basis if we give any attention to it. And the fact is, is that we have here a supreme idolatry of the human being. And I mean by that, that people today have become their own gods. We have told people, do whatever you want, do whatever you feel. What you think is more important than what God thinks. And when's the last time that any of these groups that protest all the time said, we need to do what God says. I don't think I ever saw that placard. Do what God says. (laughs) Humble yourself before God. No, it's always me, 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 my way, my way, my way. And if you don't like it, I'm gonna break something or tear something down. It's ridiculous. And yet we didn't get here overnight. We have been on a track to destruction, I think for a very long time and it's been slow. In fact, it may be overdue, but I think that when we saw the video earlier about Ruth Graham, I think Billy Graham said that if God does not judge us, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think there's a lot of wisdom there. We have deserted God. He hasn't deserted us, but we have deserted him, and now we're in a mess where literally we are being segregated to the point to where anyone who does not go along with the mainstream, with the main message is accused of misinformation. Anyone who does not go along with whatever the powers that be, whatever they say, they are going to be people who are going to have to be put aside and listed as dangerous. The day is coming very soon, I think, or at least It will happen inevitably and we can see it approaching and it'll completely create a situation where you won't be able to honestly live your life as a Christian. You'll have to hide your Christian beliefs and hide what you believe and what the scriptures tell us. But that's not the inevitable future. Jehoshaphat thought that they were going to get defeated. He thought they were surrounded, and they were. And he thought this was going to be an absolute loss. But he did something very smart. He, He went to God, and he asked God, and he got the people to go to God, and they all joined together, and they sought the Lord, and they even reminded God that, Lord, you said that if we get in trouble, you will help us. Well, I think that that applies to us as well. I think that if we go to God and say, God, will you help us? We don't deserve it, but we do need your help. I think God will hear our prayers. I think that we ought to go to the Lord and ought to go that that God would create a, a, a victory that out of nothing if necessary. Now, we don't know how that victory is going to be. We have no clue. But God gives them some instructions and notice how he says that don't be afraid in verse number 15, nor be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So let's see how we need to fight. And let's see how Jehoshaphat fought the battle. The instruction continues in verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Think about that for a moment. Some of us worried. Oh, I'm gonna have to do all these things. I'm gonna have to get involved and do this thing and that thing. It's gonna ruin my life. No, no, no. If God's fighting for you, you don't have to worry about it. And that's a very powerful and encouraging thought. He says, you'll not need to fight in this battle. So he says, first position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. So our first step is in this case, Position ourselves. You got to get in. You you cannot win if you're not in. You hear what I'm saying? You've got to be there. You've got to stand and say, I'm going to be counted for. I'm not going to run away from my enemies. I'm not going to run away from my troubles. I'm not going to be a person who's just going to. uh, shriek away and hide in a cave. I'm going to be counted for and I'm gonna put myself in position. I'm gonna put myself in the way of these forces. We as Christians need to stand up for the Lord. We need to stand and testify to the truth and we do not need to be afraid to be counted for in this world. We, Our view is better in, in so many ways than the views of the world, in fact, Christ gives us his own mind, the mind of Christ. And so the wisdom of Jesus is far better than the world. We need Jesus everywhere. We need the Lord everywhere. And we need to have decency and respect everywhere. So we need to put ourselves in position. And that's what God told them to do. The second thing he told them to do was to stand still. We need to quit trying different things, you know? Oh, I'm gonna throw this at the problem. (laughs) I'm gonna start this program. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. No, no, no. Let's just stand still for a moment. Let's just contemplate what does God want from us because we get in the position, and then he said stand still. We need to quit being distracted by all the things that are wrong and worrying about those things. No. We need to stand still. We are not going to be shaken by these forces. We are not gonna be shaken. We need to live in a a chaotic age. We need to be the ones who are attached to the rock of Jesus Christ. And we need to be the ones who are not gonna be moved because in the end, when the storms come, it isn't gonna be the Christians that are gonna be moved. It'll be those who rebelled against the Lord. So we need to be standing still. And the third thing that he tells them is to watch God work. Notice how he says, see the salvation of the Lord. We need to observe. We need to be expecting God to work. Uh, I don't think most people believe God is going to work. I don't believe that most of us are full of the confidence that God is gonna turn the country around. Well, he doesn't have to turn the country around. He just has to make sure we're turned around. He he doesn't have to turn our institutions around. He just needs to make sure we're turned around and we are standing with him because in the end, All those who stand up against God are gonna be wiped away anyway and we want God's people to be right with him and we want more people to be right with God. So we need to get as many as possible into God's family and into his kingdom because it's only on behalf of his people does he really want to do anything. Do you think God really cares about who's in office? Do you think he really cares about this person and that person as being some great leader? In fact, he just wants all of us to seek him and our hearts to be right towards him because uh, he can raise up a nation and bring them down quite quickly, and he has done so in the past. It's a trivial thing to the Lord, whereas to us, it's quite important. No, we need to make sure that we're right with God, that we have positioned ourselves, that we are standing still, and that we're going to watch expectantly for God to do a great work. Well, let's see how the story turns out. So it says here in verse number 18, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites. Now the Kohathites were part of the, one of the priestly clans, descendants of Levi, Levi. and the Korahites were also a group that was known for their music. And they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. We need to sing to the Lord. We need to praise the Lord, they, they, people need to hear us praising God and we need to be a verbal witness to the fact that we are going to sing praises to the Lord and playing godly music. Uh, do you think that ungodly music has had a negative effect on our children? Of course it has. What would, what would the difference be if they were filled with godly music, thinking about things and writing songs to the glory of God instead of to whatever they're writing songs to? And so we hear, have here in verse 20, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoah. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And I think that's still true today. We need to believe in the Lord. We need to trust him and we will be established and believe what the prophets said and we shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So what did they do? They didn't fight with armies. They didn't fight with any great cleverness or even really much of a strategy, except they started praising God and singing glory to God. You know why? Because they were cheering God before he ever even got into the stadium. they're cheering God. They're saying we're going and we're going to watch the Lord fight a battle. We're going to watch God do something that we cannot do. Isn't it amazing? Uh, There's a lot of arrogant people in this world, but what does the Bible say about pride? Pride cometh before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. I have seen so many proud people and I mean really proud, vocally proud, they're anti-God, they're anti-God's people, they're anti what's right, and you know what? At the time, it seems like they're not getting punished. At the time, it seems like everything's going their way, but I have seen time and time again those people get chopped down, and they get chopped down by the most unforeseen circumstances too. It's really amazing. Try studying some of these braggarts. Start, start studying these people who brag about their rebellion against God and against God's people and see how long they last in that state. Because in the end, they're not happy people. And, and so the people of God, they praise the Lord. And they praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. There's no time limit on God's mercy. Did you know that? I'm glad today that in the year 2021, it hadn't run out. His mercy is forever and it works today. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So what happened is, is that one of those armies set up ambushes against the others and then the others ended up defeating them and then they fought one another and eventually they defeated themselves. See, God has a way of making our enemies fight themselves because in the end, they don't realize that they're fighting the Lord. (laughs) They're they're not just fighting people. So they end up fighting themselves and destroying themselves. And the people of, of Judah didn't have to lift hardly a finger. The only thing they had to lift was their voices to the Lord in praise. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Did you ever wonder if God maybe is not raising up our problems so that someday he can just give into our hands the very things that they're working for, (laughs) the very things that they rejoice in having, they may actually surrender to us. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. A day is coming when all who believe in Jesus Christ shall receive their reward and it will be taken from those who did not share in that reward, those who were proud, those who didn't humble themselves. So God had a plan, he had a plan for them, and they ended up gaining so much even though they didn't have to fight the battle. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. Barakah means blessing. So they called it the Valley of Blessing. And it was a blessing. They praised the Lord, and God gave them a victory. So we go back, and what did they have to do? They had to position themselves. They had to stand still. And then he had to watch to see God do the victory. And that's really all God wants us to do I think in life if we'll humble ourselves before him. If we'll make sure that we get right with him, then that makes our jobs much easier. And if we'll praise the Lord and cheer him on as he does his work, I think that adds a very good bonus to what God wants for us. And in our day, I think that we may not have enough resources. We don't have enough money. We do not have enough companies. We do not have enough media to outspend the enemy, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the power to defeat the enemy. We do have power and that power is from the Lord and that power is awesome. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for the example of Jehoshaphat. He did the right thing. When he was faced with a struggle, he went to you and he took the people with him and they humbled themselves and you answered their prayer. So today I ask for you to help us as we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ and his victory over death. And Lord, let us operate in a position of strength and not weakness because The battle is the Lord's, it is not ours. And we commit these things to you in Jesus' name and amen.